1: Welcome back to Pits Up. Joining me today is Harley Abrams, the operations manager over at Super Speed Golf. Now, if you've been following some of the data that companies like ShipUp have been putting out with different industries, you'll see that golf is one of the industries that really grew during the pandemic, as with a lot of outdoor sports. It also shifted the the blend from distributor and wholesale and, and versus e commerce from about eighty five percent distributor and fifteen percent direct to consumer to 6040 distributor to e-commerce so harley welcome to Pitstop. thank you so much for joining me i also should have mentioned that you are employee number one and you've been with super speed golf for four years and you help train rotational athletes like golfers like baseball players hockey players and even the odd discus olympian can use some of your products
0: yeah appreciate it thanks for having me lucas Yep, yeah, i mean we're lucky to work with a lot of the top athletes both in the mlb pga and lpga tours even uh some uh, ATP players now on the tennis side with our new tennis products so definitely uh, a lot of fun to work with high-performing athletes
1: very very cool so let's jump into we were chatting a little bit before how really the theme of pit stop is really tactical insights and the first thing that I that I noticed was and I remember going through through Amazon with my company and just all the hassles of If the product became too big, it's just really hard to ship, both in terms of weight, but also the length or the the shipping volume, as it's called. I would just love to hear about some of the hassles of shipping out a a sporting goods type of product that's maybe in a larger box, depending on the weight could be heavy. I'd love to hear some of those challenges you've, you've overcome and how others might be able to to learn from it. And I'll just let you run and then ask questions as they come up.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's something we deal with every day, right? So our primary products are about, the boxes are about 48 inches long, which is over the limit for uh, surcharges for most of your parcel carriers. So there's a lot of ways we work on trying mitigating those, you know, those additional handling charges. Uh, I think one of the ways that really initially worked great for us is just kind of leveraging our partnerships in our industry. Uh, working with another large golf manufacturer to actually piggyback on their UPS account, uh, they already had some discounts in place, and they you know then UPS actually understood that we were going to be doing a decent amount of volume going forward and we were an account that was probably really going to grow for them. So uh, leveraging that partnership with uh, Torridge golf, another golf manufacturer in the space and, and meeting their account manager and running our initially running our account through them directly, even though we had our own UPS number. Um, leveraging that partnership really allowed us to kind of almost eliminate all of these surcharges where if you just called up UPS and say, hey, I want to do business with you, um, you'd have to be paying. So for us on that side, uh, that was really big. Uh, We pay essentially, there's almost no large or overweight surcharges anymore. Um, I believe we're only dealing with an over, there's one overweight surcharge we still pay um, for excessively sized packages, but that's really When you're talking to e-com and to individual consumers, you're never hitting that limit. So that that was really, uh, really helpful for us. The the other thing um, that's tough to figure out, too, is just, you know, uh, when customers order multiple things, what are you going to put them in, right? It's not like an iPhone where you can just throw it in a 12 by 12 box along, you know, someone from Amazon, they buy an iPhone, some toothpicks and golf tees. Uh, yeah, just it,
1: it's not something you just throw in regular grocery bags or like a, a backpack or a canvas tote.
0: Exactly. Yeah, your warehouse is not going to have a standard uh, box, you know, around to fit all those. So, what we've had to do is make sure that we've um, have a custom box manufacturer in uh, our warehouses in Chicago, Illinois, and that's where we're we're based as well. Um so really just becoming very tight with our account executive at our box manufacturer and whenever we release a new product or have a new Individual unit, just really making sure we have one of the first things we come out with is hey, what's our over shipper for this? What are our over shipper quantities? Uh, that's when we're talking about economizing shipping costs and reducing costs to get items to the customer. The, I mean, the first one of the first items on my sheet is you know, how are we going to ship these and in what quantities and what boxes are we going to use to do that? So I wouldn't say it's anything terribly complex, it's more so just getting your ducks in a row going. You know, if this one unit's 48 by 7 by 2, we're going to need, you know, four different sizes based on the expected, you know, the typical order volumes of boxes. And we're going to put it in these based on X order, you know, make sure it fits in with product A, fits in with product C as well, even if the dimensions are a little bit different. So we have um, we have a whole lot of SKUs at our warehouse that are just a lot of over shipper Mastercard boxes that we're we're constantly sorting through and reordering for. So I mean that's really key for us for economizing shipping because what turns into you know if an individual item let's just say costs fifteen dollars to ship, you know if you can throw seven in there and, and make it cost eighteen dollars to ship, you're obviously saving quite a bit of money. Um, whether you're charging, whether you're charging shipping or offering it free to the customer, you know, you're either saving them or yourself quite a bit of money and making your, your product a bit more competitive at uh, the at checkout.
1: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And that's just so much for me to, uh, unpack there. I was taking notes f- fast and, uh, and furiously there. One thing that, that I'm just curious is what happens if you, you run out, out of boxes because the. It's funny. I, I always think of packaging as an as an ingredient, and really for direct to consumer, that shipping box is an ingredient in getting the final product to to the customer. What's sort of the the worst case scenario there if you run out of shipping boxes? What could you could you do? Because I, I guess you could go to to Uline or something and just order some some standard ones that that you'd overpay. But for something like the long drive set, that's over 48 inches what would you what would you do in sort of the worst case scenario there
0: yeah that's a good question so obviously we try and avoid worst case right and the we try and avoid it with our so packaging is a big part of the consumer experience right you, you don't want something to show up in a, in a battered you know you know loose leaf kind of package you know it just leaves a bad taste in a customer's mouth the minute they open their package and really sours them to the experience of your product so our um our box that contains each product, we really work on trying to make kind of either fun, colorful, has information. Um, there'll be info inside when you open it, too. Um, so that's a big part of it. So we really try to make sure that those never run out. If they do, um, a lot of times we'll even hold orders until we have boxes ready to go, um, communicate with customers that say, hey, your order's getting getting ready to ship. Uh, with some of those over shipper boxes, yeah, what you said is really just, you know, we'll have. Uline, you know, they offer next day shipping on anything. So if you need to fill in a couple hundred of those over shippers, uh, it's not a big deal, but really we just try and treat it like supply and demand planning with any of our other SKUs, right? Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to be out of one of your top 5 selling products. You also don't want to be out of one of your most used boxes. So really it's just like it's just like focusing on another SKU, but Obviously, it's you know it's something the end consumer is not going to care about much um, as long as it goes right, and then no one cares about the brown craft box that contain with your logo on it that contains the three products they ordered. No. But we obviously want to make sure that that shows up properly and it's got our logo, so you know when it shows up, it, it is you know it's ours, and uh, you know and it prevents a good uh, dialogue with the customer before you even you know before you're even able to talk to them if they call in if they have questions.
1: It does. It really, really does and goes a long way towards increasing that LTV. What about some other expenses that that might come up that you try to mitigate just with shipping a, a larger item, both in terms of returns or, or anything else? Because That's right, where my mind went is what happens if a customer wants to return or exchange their their product?
0: Yeah, returns are an interesting question. We're really lucky that our return rate is, I'd almost say astronomically low. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on the platform, but I mean, returns directly through our website, we probably get about twenty a year. Um, so it's it's very limited, especially for the volume we're doing through there. You know, through Amazon, we're on Vendor Central, not seller directly, so they're handling mm-hmm. the customer service there. But um, you know, we, we might get fifty a year through Amazon. Um, but so we we'll have a return rate that is you know infinitesimally small. It's under a tenth of a percent.
1: Wow, so that's like one a week at that rate, maybe, maybe three a week during the busy season. Yeah,
0: exactly. So we're really lucky there. Um, and then I'd say that, while I don't, this might not be standard in the industry, but generally, we, it's in our terms and conditions, it's on our shipping policies on our websites, pretty much we just try and make it explained to the customer where if you do decide to return, we'll refund your full cost of product if it's within the window, but you will, basically, you'll have to pay for return shipping. Um, so while we try and make it evident occasionally, you'll have one or two people that'll say, you know, we'll cause a fuss or you know that say it's too expensive to ship back In that case, we can get you know, we can get shipping labels back to us usually for under eight bucks. So we'll just charge them, you know, to buy, we'll, they'll buy a label directly from us. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that comes back to the point with just leveraging our initial partnership and uh, really focusing on our partnership with UPS and our original partner uh, towards there in shipping to you know, make sure that those discounts are as as manageable as possible and we can be competitive in that in that sphere. Uh, but yeah, r- returns are interesting too. And it's different through it's different through every platform, right? Um, through our own e-com site, super easy to handle, right? Uh, we've got our own internal process. But then when it sticks sporting goods and Amazon that's returning stuff, it adds a whole new wrinkle into the equation. Uh, so it's a little bit different on every every sphere. But I mean that's one of the things we negotiate in all of our contracts, right? Is um, you know what's you know who's handling returns with big box retail, and then who's paying for it as well. Um, so that's always one of the focus of the negotiations when we set up with any new retailer is what those costs are going to look like.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's all very good conversations to have, which I hope if you're, you're listening to this and considering going wholesale, one, you'll subscribe to Bricks and Clicks and two, go back and listen to uh, the episode that I did with Chris Mead of CrossNet, because he also talks about working with buyers for also Dick Sporting Goods. So just some really good insights there.
0: For sure, yeah. I mean, that stuff's. I mean, that's another thing too. Just having a having a relationship with your with your people at all these companies, whether it's your account executive at UPS, your buyers at exporting goods. I mean, that's one of the things we really prioritize, and we have an entire position in our company um, where that's what they do. Hey, um, Mike Peck, who's a, a great a great friend of mine, and then a, a really good colleague uh, here at SuperSpeed. We ha- we headhunted him from another golf brand uh, a few years ago. Uh, I mean, Mike, that that's what his job is primarily. So he is basically um his his title is national accounts manager but what he is is really the head of our relationships uh, and so we really prior, prioritize that at super speed and it's a super important part of our formula
1: no i i love that and i think it's it's nice to see things coming back to just truly building relationships and just knowing the the nuances and making that a, a priority Carly, we're just about up on time here for Episode 1. We're going to take a quick pause before recording Episode 2 talking about some of the international expansion that you've done. Anything else that you want to add to this episode on just the hassles and nuances of shipping something in a 48-inch box or large, hard-to-ship container?
0: Uh, I'd say just have, with whatever your carriers are, have have your quoting tool on speed dial, basically. I can't tell you how many times. Um, You know, half of my day in the olden days was what's this quote to there? What's that to there? So constantly checking costs and just understanding what you're paying is really important. I mean, the worst thing you can do is be blind to a situation and just say, oh, it's fine. We'll go ahead and pay whatever it is. But you, you really could be losing a lot of money unless you're checking up on that stuff regularly and either dealing with your current company or looking, you know, going to their competition and seeing what you can do
1: yeah no absolutely well thank you so much make sure you're subscribed so you get episode two with harley abrams the operations manager from super speed golf we're going to be talking international expansion some of the hiccups challenges and opportunities that come with that You can't control the route your boat takes from overseas to bring your products to your 3PL to get picked, packed, and shipped. But you can choose your 3PL. And you can choose ShipBob, joining over 5,000 other merchants who have joined their global fulfillment network and over a 99.5% accuracy rate when they fulfill orders. Don't leave your logistics to chance. Head over to ShipBob.com to learn a little bit more.